On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichard Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news. We look at OU's latest coronavirus testing numbers, the possibility of moving the season opener up a week, and Joe C's latest comments about a season. We break down the biggest national stories in college football, the Big Ten and Pac-12 announcing they'll only play conference schedules, the latest update on the Big 12, SEC, and ACC, and an interesting recommendation from the Football Oversight Committee. And football guys talking basketball, we look at what life is like in the NBA bubble and give an update on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and provide you with the latest update on high school sports in Oklahoma from the OSSAA in Keeping It Local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 13th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Sunday night, and Teddy, you, you okay, man? Every, everything all right? You look, you look tired. I had a long day. I had a long day of um, cleaning up my yard. I've got four acres, and we had a... As I know everyone probably did, I I don't know, a hurricane, a tornado, I don't know what happened last night, but it destroyed trees all over our yard. We had leaves and limbs and stuff all over the place, and I think 90% of them went directly into the pool, so uh, that was perfect cleanup. So, yeah, it was was like a a full-on 10 hours out in the sun cleaning up the yard today. Follow-up question uh, from me in the back. Uh, why didn't you just pay someone to do that? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. And something I always ask myself, like, two hours into the ordeal, it's like, you know, this could, uh, this could be something you watch from the lawn chair while someone else does for a few bucks. But I enjoy getting out there as long as you don't overdo it. And I think I overdid it today. I think well, I overdid it. Yeah, you're just you're just too manly for your own good. That is a that is not a problem that I have because I would have been like, oh yeah, no, we'll just we'll just hire someone. Yeah, that's I, here's what's funny. I had to take a break at one point and go jump in the swimming pool because I was I was seriously overheating. So I took a break and then after that I went back out and started working again. So I'm in, I'm in a swimsuit only with the chainsaw out in the yard. <laughs> what a weird <laughs> visual. So I'm sure that was like an interesting uh, sight to see for the neighbors driving by, but I got it all done. I'm done. We're good. Yard is clean. So yard's clean. You survived what was just some ridiculous weather. 
in Oklahoma this weekend. And how about this, Ted? I went to a wedding this weekend. Ah, how about yeah. that? Church, wedding reception at Gallardia Country Club, the whole thing. Now, majority of people in the church wearing masks. Masks were required on the dance floor at the wedding reception. Everyone complied. And there was about ah, four or five instances where I'm jumping around to some Bruno Mars or whatever the hell was being played by the band. The band was fantastic, by the way. And I thought about passing out, but I didn't. I didn't. I was like, <laughs> I would get to that point. But it was, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. We were as safe as we could possibly be. We complied with all the rules and had a lot of fun. And I woke up this morning with – no coronavirus symptoms yet, so I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, well, give it five days. You need to check in is with that what it is? on Thursday or Friday. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, originally they said seven, then five, but I, I don't know what the exact incubation period is. But for here's what's going to happen. For the rest of this week, any time you feel strange, you're going to be like, is this allergies? Is this coronavirus? Is this? Well, I'm probably just not going to leave my house. <laughs> Full disclosure. I'm just in. Well, I really can't right now because we are moving soon. So we are packing up boxes. I went through my closet today, getting rid of all kinds of stuff. So hopefully this is the last time we ever move because... I'm not sure there's many things on planet earth that are worse than moving. And my poor yeah, wife the only thing worse than moving is moving someone else. That's the oh, only thing worse. That's a great I point. I will say though, there is one good thing about moving. And like you said, you're going through and cleaning stuff out. I like, I hate having a bunch of clutter and junk. And whenever we moved, I essentially said, if my wife didn't say she had to have it, it was going in the dumpster, everything I purged everything so that's the one good thing you get to get rid of a bunch of junk yeah i'm i'm getting rid of essentially everything if it's not lululemon it ain't coming with me basically so are you still hanging on to that sun bowl warm-up you got for no the... no that stuff <laughs> that stuff is long gone the three x's now i do keep the three x's around to work out in i won't lie because i'm i'm not going to pay for nice workout clothes like i'm just not going to i'm too cheap for that but yeah, I got, I'm getting rid of a lot, a lot. So that was kind of exciting. It felt good. It felt like I was, you know, letting go of the past and excited for the future, Ted. So it, it, was, it was a lot of fun and had a lot of fun at the wedding this weekend. Uh, congrats to Sarah Beth and Preston. It was a beautiful, beautiful wedding, beautiful wedding. It almost and, feels like, a, like one of those uh, – forbidden weddings like they've got to hurry and get it done like you're not supposed to be getting oh, married at this time well the 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 father of the bride laid down the law in the speech he was like if you come on the dance floor you wear a mask and he said it like three times so it was like we were masked up having a good time and i saw and, you tweet that it's it's the first time you've ever uh, tried to pick a suit based on the mask you were gonna wear or something like that yeah so i had like one of the blue surgical masks and it has like an extra filter on the inside like it's pretty pretty intense and i was like okay well i need to wear some blue to match the mask and you know so i i made it work i feel like nice. i made it look good but uh, I did have a few beverages at the wedding. 
And yeah. speaking of beverages, Ted, guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. I dare you to try the cherry lime and say it's not incredible. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. All right, Ted, let's get into some local college football news. We've got our latest update from the University of Oklahoma with their coronavirus numbers. They tested 89 players, zero positives, which is very exciting and great news. They still have nine active cases on the team and five recoveries. Now, I'm not entirely sure what a recovery means. Do you think recovery means they tested positive and now they've tested negative? Or is that what we consider recovery? Yeah, I think so. I think there's, um, I'd have to look it up exactly, but I think you have to be uh, symptom free for X amount of days and test negative. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what, what's happened there. So that's good. Uh, I mean, yep. I'm not sure how much these numbers are going to matter if things keep trending the way they're trending and we will get to all of that, but it was good to see zero positives. I, I think that says that what Oklahoma is doing, their protocols, how cautious they're being. I mean, we've talked about it a lot with just how careful they're being with everything. I think this kind of lends to their strategy being solid. Uh, I do. I think it, it probably gives them hope that they can continue doing things that way and control this thing. But who knows? I mean, who really knows? Yeah. I, it's um, anytime you they do all this testing, they get the zero positives back. That's got to feel good. But I, I got to imagine Lincoln Riley, the staff, um, Josie, everyone up there. Whenever they do a round of testing, there's that has to come with a massive amount of anxiety, right? Because oh it's my like, gosh, you know, and especially because you know there's asymptomatic people out there, so. Like it would be one thing if you had 10 guys that are coughing and hacking and have all the symptoms. But since there's people that test positive that have absolutely zero symptoms, it's like, you don't know what you're going to get back. So I, I bet it's pretty nerve wracking. I bet you, do, do you think they like get in a huddle or like, they, like, is it one of those things where it's like a Grammy and an Oscar, like the results come in like an envelope. Someone walks in with it. Just like, <laughs> probably here we so. go. Right, I mean, but who's probably, the bearer of bad a, news? A, 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 Bet there's got to be like an over and under line in the office, right? Five and a half or something like that. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt that those coaches are betting on this. You know, so, those hey, guys. I, I saw one of the guys sneezing walking down the hallway the other day. So I think that's one positive at least. So. For sure. <laughs> All right. Now, another big story locally, according to Barry Trammell. OU has petitioned the NCAA to move the opener against Missouri State from September 5th to August 29th. Now, I'm not sure this game even happens. I mean, it's it's a guess at this point. I mean, it really is. But who knows what Missouri State's testing protocols, their capabilities are going to be compared to OU's. I mean, maybe OU would be willing to pay for their testing, if it comes to that. Now, I do like 
moving it up because Tennessee comes to town on September 12th. And remember, that game is still scheduled to happen. So that gives you a bye week before a big non-conference game that is still scheduled to be played. That all being said, Ted, you and I have talked about this over the weekend, and I am a big fan of your theory when it comes to moving this game up. Would you like to explain how you're a brilliant man to these people? Uh, well, um, it's just – it's interesting, you know, that it kind of happens at the same time that, you know, there's conferences out there that are not going to play conference game or non-conference games. They've already said that. Well, Oklahoma is moving theirs up. And what that does, by the nature of these off-season rules this year, it lets you start training camp a week earlier if you're playing in week zero than the teams that are playing on week one. So, uh, and everything gets moved up a week. Your, um, your, um, uh, your enhanced, enhanced training camp with the walkthroughs. Yeah. Everything get bu- gets bumped up a week. Everything gets bumped up a week. So you're on a, a quicker timetable to start practicing. Now, um, you start camp a, a week early and you get in there and then at, maybe at some point, uh, preferably after you practice for a week, you say, we're not going to play non-conference games. Well, uh, you've already banked that original extra week of, of training cr- camp in there. So really all you've done is allow yourself some extra practice time. So um, is that what they're doing? Maybe. I don't know. But Maybe. I think it would be smart if they were. It's definitely a way where everyone's hurting right now for, for practice time and to get on the field uh, after missing the spring. So – any way you can find find an opportunity to get some extra extra practice time, I think you take it. Now, with how cautious Oklahoma has been through this entire thing, I'm a little skeptical of that, but I also know Lincoln Riley. And that is a guy that wants to get his guys on the field. And we've talked about – he's talked about publicly how comfortable he is with the quarterbacks, with Mordecai, with Rattler. They've been in the system. Yeah, but Lincoln Riley wants to see those guys on the field. He wants to see some of these guys that are battling for defensive starting positions on the field. And if you can bump up that enhanced training camp start date from July 24th to July 17th, I mean, why not? Because they've already come out and said, what? It's probably going to be the end of July before any decision is made for the Big 12. So July 17th, you've got essentially half the month to get some work in, to get some actual football. Now, that depends on the NCAA granting them this waiver, which I'm not entirely sure I've ever seen this. I think they bumped up. What was it like Florida State, Miami, or one of one of those? Well, they games. moved their game last year, or Florida, Miami, maybe. I to don't remember Sunday, right? Yeah, that happened pretty late. I, I, you know, the way the NCAA works, I feel like there's a petition that's like faxed in by Oklahoma formally to the NCAA, and it like prints out on a printer in some office, like the back corner of an office, and no one ever sees it. And then finally, someone's like, oh, here's this is from Oklahoma and just signs it and sends it back. 
It like goes, like, it goes to Milton in the basement. Right. And everyone's like huddled around waiting for the NCAA's response to, to this big petition. And they don't even know where it is. That's just how I feel like the NCAA works. But I, I do like the thought of the Sooners using the system to their advantage and maybe stealing some extra practice. I don't hate it. I don't hate yeah. it. Another brilliant layman theory. <laughs> Here's another interesting thing, too. And we saw this whenever they moved their game last year to Sunday. You know, now that there's no non-conference games from the Pac-12, I don't have the schedule for week zero in front of me, but I think there was three Pac-12 teams that were playing on week zero. I think right now the only other game is like East Carolina and Marshall. And then, I mean, some there's like no no premier teams playing at all. So if you move to week zero, and maybe that's going to be the pay-per-view game, I don't know. And there's an opportunity for people to say, hey, Oklahoma's playing. We get to see the Spencer Rattler kid. There's nothing else going on. I'll pay 35 40 bucks, or whatever to see, see Oklahoma, and it may drive their pay-per-view numbers up pretty big. Yeah. It, we all know that OU fans love the pay-per-view game. It's their favorite. Or, you know, it may get picked up by a network if there's nothing else on. Yeah, you know, that which, would be – that'd kind of be ideal, right? Mm-hmm. You I don't, don't know play the pay-per-view game and – That's the only thing I don't know is because I, I think there's a, a contract with Fox that they have to have one pay-per-view game, but – Gross. I mean, I don't know if, that, if, if that's something they can get out of or not. I have no idea. Yeah, and I think there's going to be all kinds of exceptions to rules yeah, this season. No um, now, Joe Castiglione talked to our boy – Toby Rowland on Friday had a lot to say. And he said that the leadership there at Oklahoma is still listening to the medical experts. Of course, they're constantly gathering information. And it sounds like they're going to wait to the absolute last minute to make a decision about this season. He mentioned the economics and how important those are, you know, for the university, the athletic program, Norman. He understands all of that, but decisions will continue to be driven by the health and wellness of students, student athletes, staff, faculty, all of that. So it seems like that's what's going to determine the decisions they make, Teddy. And I, I don't really think there's, there's anything else you can say about it, right? You got to, we all know that, you know, the money we've seen the dollar figures, but, at the end of the day, it's about people. And it's just this whole situation, it's starting to get very, very weird in my mind. Well, I mean, you know, Josie and these athletic directors out there are, you know, if you put truth serum in, in Josie or Lincoln Riley, you know, you may hear him say that, I wish we'd just go out there and play football. But the problem is, you know, with, with how many people that are under their leadership, they just can't do that. I mean, there, there are – I mean, college football is in a situation that, that no one else in the country is. I mean, high school football looks like it's going to play, but you don't know there. But, you know, no one's making millions of dollars off, off high school football professionals look like they're going to play, but 
you know, they're getting paid and they know the risk involved. So there's nothing there. So college football is like this weird blend of all of that. You've got guys and, that and they are, have to pretend that they care about academics, which is rough. I mean, exactly. I mean, that that's the thing though. It's like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but in all this, there are things that they have to contend with that no one else does, you know? And one of the main things that they have to contend with is, public perception in the fact that if they say let's go play football there's going to be a tremendous pushback on how irresponsible it is to do that with kids that don't get to share in the you know the the rewards the the millions of dollars out there so it's it's yeah. a tough spot to be in now T row did ask Josie about the season getting pushed to the spring and Joe said that the spring season is logistically doable. He said him and Lincoln Riley have talked about it numerous times. Now, of course, he acknowledged the challenges, you know, players leaving for the NFL, health risks of playing two seasons so close together, but they have certainly had these conversations. I mean, that's exactly what Joe said. So I know that they've been modeling all kinds of different scenarios. It was it was interesting to hear him talk about the spring season because even though we're still holding out hope that this thing gets played in the fall, knowing that they think that the spring is doable, it actually made me feel a little better because the worst case scenario, right, is there's no season at all. Like, there, there's no season in the fall. There's no season in the spring. Like, they just punt on the season. Now, I don't think that is possible for the teams in the Power Five. When you look at the economics of it, it would be – I don't know if catastrophic is too strong of a word, but that's the word I'm going to use. It would be catastrophic. So, for him to think and not even really skip a beat and say, oh, yeah, the logistics are doable in the spring, that actually made me feel better than him going, well, I just it, it, it doesn't make much sense. You know, it was good to hear him say, yeah, we can do the spring. Yeah, I mean, can they do it? I, sure, they can do it. I just don't know what the ramifications of a, of a spring season are. Obviously, it's better than playing nothing at all, right? Like if you Correct. Just, if you just don't play at all. Um, but my question is what happened? Okay. Let's say here at the end of July, they say we're going to move to a spring season. Well, that's a long time from now. And, you know, these, these athletic departments and, and not just Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma is in a better position than about 98% of athletic departments out there. But there's a long time. You got to remember, a lot of these schools, not a lot of them, no one has had any income in their athletic department since like February, right? The NCAA tournament didn't happen, which is a huge um, uh, influx of funds for a bunch of schools out there. That didn't happen. We've been paying out money for keeping all these facilities up to date, paying coaching staffs, you know, everyone in, in, on your athletic department's payroll has been getting paid. Well, if you punt to the spring, I mean, my guess is that instantly 
every single athletic program is uh, furloughed and, until you get to the spring. And then once you even get to the spring, I don't know. I mean, I, I just – I don't know the logistics. Can they play a football season? Sure, but can they play a football season and play basketball? Men and women play baseball, play softball, play – all the different things that happen during that time in those small amount of venues that they're all sharing and flying these groups all the way across the country. I just like, I think you can play football, but I don't know if you can play football and do all those other things too. Yeah. It seems like you'd have to, I don't know if regionalizing the schedule for everybody would be the best way to do it. You know, reduce travel, try to reduce costs, you know, play teams where you can drive. I mean, you can bus. I don't know, but I know they're going to try. I know Oklahoma's going to try, and I've got faith in the leadership there that they will they'll make it work. I mean, it's, it's extremely complicated, but it seems about, like they don't really have a choice, right? They have no, to make I mean, it work. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think one of the interesting things is like Oklahoma state, for instance, if you play a spring season, if you're Chuba Hubbard or you're Tylen Wallace, would you play? Hell no. Right. I mean, so some of those guys aren't going to play. Like if you're Creed Humphrey, would you play? Nope. I, you know, and I think, and I agree with that, you know, but there's a small amount of guys, but it's the superstars, right. Or the guys that don't play. But there's a lot of other guys that feel like if I'm going to get, like, seniors, it's like, I, I mean, I have to. I know I feel like I may be a, a second or a third-round draft pick, but, I mean, I don't, have an, I don't have enough leeway to where I say I'm just not going to play. I mean, right? I don't know. I mean, because yeah, I hate it because this is, a, this is a, uh, uh, between your sophomore to junior, if, if you're a guy that leaves early, or a junior to senior for a guy – that's, uh, you know, can play in the NFL, this is usually when you make your biggest jump as a player. For sure. Definitely agree with that. So, I mean, it, it could come down to some really tough decisions for the best players in all of college football. I mean, that's just – it seems like it could be headed there. I just wonder with kind of what's happening with the NFL right now, I mean, they don't have a ton of clarity on what's going on. I was, I was talking to Blake Bell about it this weekend. He's like, yeah, they, they say the 28th, but does it feel like we're going to be there on the 28th? <laughs> so it seems like the NFL still has a lot of questions to answer to. And you would hope that if the worst case or not the worst case scenario, but if college football does get pushed to the spring, you would hope that the NFL would adjust somehow to help those kids, to try to help college football, to try to help some of those kids play some games and improve their draft stock because the NFL wants that. I mean, they, they want to see more tape from these guys. So it's just going to be so interesting to see how this entire thing plays out. Now, Ted, one thing that Joe Castiglione did talk about was how surprised he was by the big tens decision to cancel all non-conference games. Uh, which brings us to our national football news, which is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. 
There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to the athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. So we all hate the Big Ten. I think, uh, I think we, can all, we can all agree on that, and it's, it has nothing to do with what they did. I, I think I, I'm fine with what they did. So they announced they're going to play conference games only. Fine. I think that we were headed there anyways. You know, we talked about it last episode. But whether they want to say it has to do with travel or whether they want to say it has to do with knowing that the other schools are using the same testing protocols, whatever they want to say, that's fine. It's fine. It makes sense. But I just don't understand why they didn't tell anybody else. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me because everybody was blindsided by this, including the other Power Five commissioners. And these people have been on phone calls and Zoom calls and doing all these things together, trying to work together for months. So for a guy like Joe Castiglione, who's probably the most respected athletic director in college athletics, to be very surprised, for the commissioners of the other Power Five conferences to be very surprised, for the teams that were supposed to play the Big Ten teams in the upcoming football season to be surprised, that's complete bullshit. I mean, they are supposed to be working together right now. I don't understand. It it, it makes no sense to me that Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, wouldn't communicate with his peers. Like, I, I don't understand, Teddy. These people are supposed to be working together right now. Yeah, you know, and I agree 100%. I wonder, there's, there's no benefit in them going in there and doing this alone and coming up with this, this voting. However, they, they came to the decision and springing it on the rest of college football. You know, before that meeting happened, the, like, the, the thought going into it and what most people were reporting is that Big Ten's having meetings right now. Um, they're expected over the next couple of days to discuss, you know, the upcoming season and, and maybe make a decision over non-conference games. Well, most people didn't expect that that was going to come out for, for several days, if not, like, into this coming week. So they come out and it gets reported that they're about to announce that they're not playing non-conference games. I wonder if the original thought was, well, we've come to this agreement. We're not going to announce it till later, but there was a leak or something and, and people found out and it started pouring out. And that's the only thing I can think of because it really, it, there's no benefit at least that I can think of that I can find of, just going rogue and even if you've come to the decision not at least allowing all the other conferences to prepare themselves as to this is how the Big Ten is going to 
going to go throughout the season. Yeah, I, I, I saw some people saying, well, maybe they did it to force everyone else's hand. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I just – it just doesn't make sense to me because, I mean, we're all living in this crazy time right now, right? And we're all working together to try to make – not just college football happened, but just to make a lot of things in life run smoothly. And we've talked over and over and over about the financial importance of college football. And for Oregon to find out that Ohio State is not coming to Autzen Stadium, for them to find out on Twitter, that doesn't seem right to me. I, I mean, it just doesn't, it, did, it didn't sit well with me. And now, when they came out and announced it, there's basically five big-time games that are getting eliminated, and that's Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, Washington, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, which was supposed to be at Lambeau. That would have been sick. Penn State, Virginia Tech, and Miami, Michigan State. Those are essentially the five big-time games that were eliminated when the Big Ten came out and said that they're not going to play non-conference games. But I, I'm a, I, I need more of an explanation. I, I really do because these people have been working together trying to get these protocols in place to get the kids back on campus. They're sharing best practices with each other. There's been constant communication. I mean, I've talked to Bob Bowlesby about it numerous times where he's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm talking it. We're, we are on these conference calls all the time together, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And for this to just say, for the Big Ten to just come out and say, hey, this is what we're doing. The rest of you guys can kick rocks. <laughs> I, I right. just. I guess it, there's another thing that you don't know. Like the Big Ten may have been wanting to make this announcement for quite a while. And there's the other been, commissioners maybe were. Everyone yeah, was I got like, you. no, no, we don't. Let's wait. This is, you know, let's give it time. And. Finally, they're like, no, this is, this is what we, we're going to do this because we need to figure out a plan as to how we're going to have our season roll. Now, so. if that's the case, I retract my entire statement over the last couple of minutes because if that's the case, then the Big Ten did the right thing. You just don't know. I mean, right. you know, you, you don't know. I, my guess is that no one was – I mean, everyone was shocked that they announced it, but – my guess is they're probably not shocked that that was their decision because my guess would be that the big 10 has probably been hinting this for quite some time and not that they just all got in a room today and was like, Hey, let's just not play non-conference games. That'll be cool. And then just fire it out there. So I don't know. There's, there's gotta be the, some more details come out about yeah. this whole thing, right? I, there's going to be a tell all book there. I mean, it's just, it's, um, you know, this is not – we're talking about college football. So, I don't know that there necessarily needs to be any high-level, like, secret meetings. Like, I think transparency about what's going on right now is probably good for everyone. But, you know, I, it doesn't seem like that's going on with, with some of the different conferences that are, that are acting alone. We talk about it all the time, but just another perfect example of where if there was one person that all of these commissioners had to communicate with and things were a little more organized and the lines of communication were a little more open, 
it would make a lot, a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Now, it's never going to come to that because why would the commissioners give up power? That wouldn't make sense. They're never going to go for that. But just another frustrating example of the disorganized structure of the leadership in college football. Can I give you one hope? Yes, Um, please. Give me – once again, slap me in the face (laughs) with all the hope. Now, imagine a scenario in which the – the ACC is not going to play non-conference games. The Pac-12 is not going to play non-conference games. And the Big Ten is not going to play non-conference games. That's pretty – I mean, it's not, like, guaranteed at this point, but it looks pretty strong. Big 12 has not said that, and the SEC has not said that. Well, you know, can you imagine a scenario where, you know, Alabama had a game with the Pac-12 – um, I'm sure, let's see, um, was there any SEC games with the, with the Big Ten? There, there's, there's a bunch of these, the ACC, SEC, there's a bunch of like rivalry crossovers. Right. And they want to play those. But imagine a scenario where the, the Big 12 and the SEC are the only two schools that are playing non-conference. And it's like, okay, since it's us two, let's have a little SEC Big 12 crossover. Challenge. Little challenge. They already do it in basketball. Why not? There you go. I mean, I think one of the big problems with non-conference games is everyone's really worried about not finishing football. Um, You know, things may not go like the revenue situation is going to be bad. So no one's really excited about paying a team $1.5 million to come to town whenever you may not have fans in the stadium. I mean, the only reason you pay for those games is so you can make your gate sell your beers, sell your popcorn. All the fans go home happy. Yeah, to generate some revenue. Well, since that revenue is not going to be there, if you're not going to have fans in in place, no one's excited about stroking a big check for like a a scrimmage, essentially. So it's like if that's going to happen, let's, you know, let's go ahead and uh, let's get some real football games going. Yeah, and and the Pac-12 announced it's going to do the same thing as the Big Ten, Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, who happened to test positive for COVID-19 in the no last couple deal. of days. No big deal. Uh, said that they are delaying the start of football season, uh, citing the health and safety of the players, and it gives them the most flexibility with scheduling. So no non-conference games for our friends out on the West Coast. And it sounds like they were especially worried about USC and UCLA being able to start the season on time. And there were some big games eliminated, a few of them, Bama, USC, BYU, Utah, Notre Dame, USC, Oklahoma State, Oregon State, uh, TCU, Cal, Texas Tech, Arizona. Who really cares about that one? But I think that – I always thought that the Pac-12 was going to be the first one, right? Because you you looked out there and they just kind of – March to the beat of a different drum. And it seemed like their coronavirus situation was in a little, in some different spots at different times than kind of the rest of the country. So I always thought they would be the first. And I certainly didn't think the Big Ten would be the first, but I was not surprised at all, Teddy, that they, you know, followed the Big Ten and saying, hey, yep, no non conference games. Yeah. I, you know, it's not surprising, but. It's, it's got to be frustrating. You know, 
the Pac-12 has been really the forgotten conference, right? They, the revenue's been down. They play all these games to where, you know, everyone's already drunk and passed out from the college football they've been watching all day. Guilty. You know, it's, it's, it has not been a good run for the Pac-12. Well, you know, you had a couple – USC, who, you know, a lot of people are very down on and rightfully so, but they got a, a, a good young quarterback. They've got a solid football team. Uh, now, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that they're going to beat Alabama but or Notre Dame, which are two college football playoff contenders, but those are your chances to get back on the map. Oregon against Ohio State, I favor Ohio State in that game, but you never know. This is college right. football. A lot you know, of Oregon's, there in Oregon. Oregon's played well recently. That's their chance to, to say that we're back and we've arrived, and you miss those opportunities to where – because no one's going to watch the rest of the Pac-12 games. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. No one watches them. These were, these were opportunities where you get a big chunk of the eyes across the country to see what the Pac-12 is all about. Yeah. So, I just don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they decide how, like how many games the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to play, just conference games. Like, is it going to be – nine is going to be 10. I'm kind of interested to see how many games they try to get in, but yeah, I don't think this helps. And we saw the revenues, you know, per school come out this week. And it's clear that although the PAC 12, you know, they're still bringing in some money that they are, they are falling behind everywhere else. So I, not good. Not good for the Pac-12 now. The other three Power Five conferences, uh, the ACC commissioner, John Swafford, said he put out a statement, said they will make a decision in late July. Bob Bowlesby said it's too early for the Big 12 to make a decision, and they are anticipating making a decision in late July or early August. And then we heard from Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. And this may have been the most alarming thing of all for me because Greg Sankey, if you pay attention normally to what he says publicly, he is very measured in what he says, always. And he's a guy that is very aware that his words carry significant weight because he's the leader of the most important football conference in the country. It's just what it is. So, I know that we've been saying that the SEC would be the ones that would play a season that would look as close to normal as possible, right? And we joke about it. It just means more and all that stuff, blah, but it is very important down there in the South. And he was asked about his concern for the season, and his answer was, quote, high to very high. And then he added, quote, we are running out of time to correct and get things right. I do not like hearing that. I don't like hearing that at all because I've always taken what Greg Sankey says very seriously. And he said their deadline is also going to be late July, but him being so – I don't want to say pessimistic, but maybe it's just realistic. But him being so skeptical about the season, Ted, it it got me a little worried. I'm not going to lie, man. Well, it is concerning. Um, 
high to very high. And, you know, Gene Smith at Ohio State was kind of the same thing. He's like, oh, God. He's like, I've been, I've been optimistic all along, but if you were to ask me now, I, you know, he's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know, guys. So it's not looking good. Um, you know, and my feeling for quite a while now has been that I thought all along that we were going to be playing college football in the fall. Um, it's like, yeah, we're going to the, the, the risk to the players is minimal. The, um, the amount of damage that would occur to all these athletic programs, if, and just colleges in general, forget the athletic programs, if they don't play will be catastrophic. But I, I figured at some point that they would, you know, start treating it differently and they, they, they still aren't. And I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that they can with the position that they're in, you know, politically uh, with the schools, uh, you know, with the way college football is viewed at times. So, I mean, it's one of those things. And, and someone had told me pretty recently that someone got, got it into the year of all the athletic directors that there was going to be a vaccine by late fall or very early 2021. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't Dr. Know. Fauci. I don't know anything about that, but it helps them out tremendously if there's a vaccine. Because For as sure. soon as there's a vaccine, it's like, here we go, right? But until Stadiums that, are full, baby. We're making right. the gate. And, until that point, Parking's you know, dope. it's hard for them to it's hard to, for them to really make any move at all. Even though all of the data says that you know, the threat to these players and that demographic is statistically insignificant. You know, they just, until there's a vaccine, I mean, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? So I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a lot to put on the line for a vaccine. That would be, um, I think the fastest the vaccines ever started from beginning to implementation is five years. So what could go wrong? Yeah. I think now they're going, this would be like nine months or eight or nine months. So, I mean, that's a lot to hope on, on moving your season to the spring. We are all at the mercy of the nerds. (laughs) This is why you should be nice to the nerds when you're growing up, because you never know when you're going to need them. And Football depends. It may depend on these smart little scientists and infectious disease specialists figuring this shit out. T- oh, so you're telling me the jocks couldn't figure it out on their own this time? I, not, <laughs> not so much. Not so much. So uh, Godspeed to all the nerds out there. Please help. Please save football season. Please. Now, one more piece of interesting National College football news, Ted. The Football Oversight Committee made an interesting recommendation, and they recommended that teams be allowed to count two wins versus FCS teams toward bowl eligibility this season. So normally, you can only count one win over an FCS team towards your bowl eligibility, towards your six wins. This is admirable, I guess. I. I think it's trying to encourage teams to find FCS teams to play. 
And that way FCS teams, and we've talked about this a lot, but that way these FCS teams could get money to get their asses beat, but then they would be able to fund their athletic departments, right? Those buy games, B-U-Y, not B-Y-E. But, but isn't it crazy to think about bowl eligibility right now? That's where I was, I was reading the statement. I was like, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I was like, wait, are there even going to be bowl games? Like, what are we talking about? And I know the college football playoff came out and said, hey, we're still going to pick four. Our criteria is not changing. I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. But when I was thinking about bowl games, I was just like, what is it is it even does it even make sense to talk about bowl games right now no here's what i think is it's it's fascinating and you know it's hilarious at the same time you know there's a lot of coaches out there and a lot of programs that hide behind these three give me non-conference games right and oh yeah they got to win they've you know, winning record for the last 10 years, bowl eligible. Like you take Texas, for example, Texas was eight and five last year, eight and five, but they were five and four in the big 12, five and four in the big 12, barely had a winning record. That's not good. So like, all of a sudden you take away three guaranteed wins for non-conference teams like those little you know we're going to check it out you're telling me that you don't think and texas is scheduled to go to baton rouge so i and i really want to see that game so come on figure it out big 12 sec challenge so you're saying maybe texas wouldn't love playing a couple more sec teams i don't know who would but if there's a year for a bunch of fun competitive big headline games Make it happen this year, right? No, I mean, I think that that is all great. I guess what I'm saying is a lot of coaches, you know, shoot for that bowl eligibility, that winning record deal to get those paychecks, but you all of a sudden take that away and you can look really bad really quickly. You know, that that seven and five or six and six, you know, drops down to to three and six really quickly. Well that's a different different look. I mean, hypothetically, if you're in the Big 12 and you're only playing nine games, say they go to conference only, yeah, four and five doesn't look very good. <laughs> Seven and five looks a whole lot better than four and five. So That's right. Yeah, but it, I guess kudos to the Football Oversight Committee for trying to help out our friends in the FCS. I, I, I think that's what they were trying to do. I mean, Kansas is like, hell yeah, we can go to a bowl game, man. We got to schedule the three worst FCS teams, and maybe we can beat them. But that's six wins, baby. That's bowl eligible. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it's Monday, you're going to get a little football guys talking basketball, some FGTB. And I listened to J.J. Reddick's podcast, and I watched Matisse Teibel from the 76ers, who started a YouTube page. He, he put out a video. He's documenting the whole NBA bubble thing. It, it was pretty cool. But th- between Reddick's podcast and Thibel's video, you were kind of be able to uh, kind of able to piece together what life is like in the NBA bubble, or at least how you get into the NBA bubble. And basically, what happens is they go, they get to the hotel there in Orlando. 
and they go straight to a room where NBA CEO Mark Tatum talks to them about the protocols, you know, kind of the schedule for the next couple of days. Then they get tested for the coronavirus. Now they give them this armband that is their key, that is their key to essentially everything. So it, it gets them into their hotel room. It gets them into the hospitality things. It opens all the doors uh, that are programmed with it around the hotel. So they basically just have this bracelet. And if anyone's ever been to Disney or like a cruise, you know what I'm talking about. But they go from getting that, so they go straight to their rooms, and then they just have to sit in there for 36 hours straight. They can't leave. And the NBA delivers them like packaged food to their door, there's snacks and all kinds of stuff in the, in the room. You can see it in, in Thibel's YouTube video. But once they clear that, then they're free to roam around their hotel a little. But everywhere they go, other than their rooms and practice, they have to wear masks. So I, I know it doesn't sound ideal, but the NBA is doing a great job from, and that's what J.J. Redick was saying on his podcast that they're doing a great job of being strict, but also, you know, providing these guys with a lot of things. I mean, you can see several guys have posted their social medias and there's been some controversy about the hotel rooms and all that stuff. Who really cares? But guys are posting about the food and the hospitality room for the players. Look, the players lounge looks pretty sweet. It kind of just reminds me of going to a bowl game. Teddy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, they've got some amenities there, and it's all it's all cool right now. We'll see what happens once they all start getting competitive and stuff. But, I mean, the funny thing that I think about is, you know, we've seen a lot of these NBA games where something happens on the floor. Someone takes an elbow. Someone, it gets physical. After the game, they got to separate them from the two locker rooms in the back. Well, now they're all going to go to home to the same hotel, right? So, I mean – it's probably nothing bad is going to happen, but I do think it's, it's fascinating to have all of the guys right there. Cause there's a, I mean, everything's been, been, you know, nice and cordial as of right now, but you know, there's a lot of beef in the NBA across different teams and there's a lot of stuff there. Billion dollar idea right here. You know, we can find the sponsors, guarantee it. You just say a guy, so a couple guys that get in a scuffle, right, in a game. There's plenty of ballrooms. There's n- they're not using all of them, right? You set up an octagon. You let those two guys, I don't know what, one round, five minutes. You have some of the players film it, and you put it on YouTube, and you get sponsors for it, or maybe you sell it on pay-per-view. I don't really know how all that stuff works. And you just let these NBA guys just – fight each other they finally get to settle their beef you know how they always act all tough like oh i'll kill you bro i'll kill you well now we get to see who the tough guys really are all they all they have to do is just like pan the cameras over a little bit and there's the octagon it's right there just yeah, have just it right there the players on the lounge. yes we well, just do it during the game i mean if you Ooh. got beef here we go right it's up like hockey to the, to the thunderdome whoever makes it out of the the octagon gets to continue in the game this Thunderdome is brought to you by Will and Wiley, Bishop <laughs> McGinnis High School. 
advanced <laughs> advanced weight loss clinic of sand springs we've got love plenty it. of sponsors that would want to sponsor that right i love it that's perfect i would pay i'd pay good money to watch some nba guys throw down because it would just be absolutely entertaining because if there's one thing that would be an absolute certainty in those fights it's that no punches would be landed because those NBA guys could never punch each other in the face for some reason. No, they are the the best ever at, you know, starting a fight and timing it up perfectly to where nothing happens, but everyone gets there just in time to break it all up. It's yeah. it's really amazing. Isn't the it thing weird that how that I works? think is crazy is thirty six hours of isolation, which, you know, I guess that's two twelve hour sleeps and i guess you can watch like i don't know the godfather trilogy or something in there in between but 36 hours is a long time to just you can can get all the harry potters in (laughs) i mean it's time to catch up on a couple of seasons of whatever you've been missing but that's a long time dude yeah but I, i think the nba they're they're really trying to make it work they're really trying to make it work. And little update about the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are in the bubble. Now you've seen some videos, I'm sure, of Darius Baisley and Chris Paul going at it in cornhole, which led to a heated debate about whether people call it cornhole or bags. I'm fine with either of them. I call it cornhole. doesn't matter to me if you call it bags. I'll beat your ass in it anyways. The pros call it cornhole, so I'm going to call it cornhole. That's what they call it on ESPN. That's right. And I've actually been watching a lot of that recently. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. But we've seen some of these guys out fishing, right? Um, Now it sounds like Gallinari and Steven Adams uh, may start some sort of guitar duo, which would be – I can only imagine how entertaining that would be. Sign me up for that that first EP. And the Thunder practiced on Friday and Sunday – And it sounds like things are going well because they're able to do these weird virtual press conferences or, you know, media availabilities after the practices. And so far, the big takeaway, Ted, has to be Andre Robertson. He's doing everything. And, man, I don't really know how to react or what to think because – and I know it's stupid – but I'm starting to get excited that he's going to come back. I, I don't really know what to think. The guy hasn't played in two and a half years. Two and a half years. But Sunday night, Billy Donovan said, if Andre Robertson's available, then he's going to play him. And I'm over here going, what? <laughs> Out of nowhere. Like, what is happening? I, I, was, I had been talking about Andre Robertson returning in the NBA bubble kind of like as a joke, right? I'd just been like having fun with it. I'm not sure I ever thought it would actually happen, but it seems to be trending that direction, Ted. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know how much basketball he's been able to get in. I mean, the key to, to Andre Robertson whenever he was healthy was fantastic athleticism, great length, Um, you know, he could defend multiple positions, uh, was a very savvy defender. Uh, you know, he could, he could defend guys down low, could defend guys great out on the perimeter on ball guy, get him past. I mean, he could do all those things because of his athleticism. 
you know, where he's at athletically and confidence-wise on some of those – on that injury, that knee, I, I don't know where he is. But if he's as athletic and as explosive as he was before, you know, he hasn't developed a jump shot over the last two and a half years. I'll guarantee you that. But if he can defend – He can shoot a set shot. It's fine. He doesn't have to jump. It's fine. If he could defend like he could pre-injury – then you got to play him, you know. You got to you got to pay him. Yeah, I mean, and play him. And it was interesting because Billy Donovan also said that Dort looks stronger, and I was like, oh, oh, mama, let's go. Is our man, our man Lou Dort, been hitting the weights in quarantine? Which, by the way, um, you know, I I had joked and laughed that. Uh, Zion was going to come back at like 400 pounds after, you know, the, the extended quarantine. Did you see him? Dude is ripped. Looks still, I, I, I still think he has a ways to go, but there's no doubt that his body has improved during this quarantine. I don't know if it was diet, change the way he's working out, what he's been doing, but if he keeps doing it, and I want him to keep doing it because I want to watch that guy play for, you know, 15 years. We all do because he's just so much fun to watch. He's so entertaining. It seems like someone got to him and got him on the right path, right? He got fat shamed into turning into an even better athlete. Think about that, huh? Pretty hey. good. Whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever, it, what, whatever it takes. <laughs> All right, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. And those are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a fee, a, a fee, a free fat burner injection. Free fat burner injection. I wonder if that's what Zion did. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's Hey, if that's what you – I keep saying this, that I want one of those uh, fat burner injections, but – I actually need to go get one. Well, I need to get something. Well, Let's get going. Call. The, I, I mean, the number is right there. 918-241-LOSE. This ad turned into a, it turned into a lot longer. I'm going to invoice them for double. <laughs> Just kidding, um, guys. So, if, are we going on to winners and losers now? Um, Give us your I, winner of the weekend, Ted. So, my winner, whenever you sent the rundown, I was going through the rundown and – it caught my eye. You said when you were talking about Andre Robertson, the guy hasn't played in two and a half years. And I got to thinking, you know, he's got a pretty big contract. So this Andre Robertson, who is a he's a he's a good basketball player. He's a he's an excellent defender, but tremendous length. He he's can't he's shoot. Just, when it comes he's, to the he's NBA, a Sam Presti wing. he's kind of just a guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's got something that he's really good at and several things that he's, that he's not very good at, but Andre Robertson has made right around $30 million 
while not even playing a game. And to think about like some of these contracts we've seen in basketball, like when we were watching the last dance and how little Scottie Pippen made for his entire career until, until late and how little Michael Jordan made until, until late. It's just, I got to call him a winner to be able to sit and rehab and collect $30 million of guaranteed money is the greatest thing I could ever imagine in all of sports. Would you be, because I, I'm assuming, and this has been my theory for a while, that he just retours patellar tendon at some point. That's my theory. I don't know that to be why a fact. Why he was rehabbing? Why he was rehabbing? Because, I mean, two and a half years, you talk about a setback. Uh, that, that's certainly a setback. Because he was close, and then they were talking about him being close, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, he's not going to play. Yeah. So I, I think something happened. I do. But – would you just sign up for like constant knee pain for two and a half years for $30 million? Because I'm telling you right now, sign me up for that. Not, I don't even, no hesitation. Give me the excruciating knee pain for the two and a half years. I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'll figure it out for 30 million. I'm sitting here thinking if for 30 million, I'd let you take a, an ax to my lower leg. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, just take the leg. It's fine. I'll, it's 30 I'll million. figure something out, but no, I mean, um, I'm not mad at Andre Robertson. I'm just saying that he is an absolute winner to think that in this day and age, you can be a middle of the road NBA player and make $30 million while sitting on the bench on the sideline rehabbing is just like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. He's a winner. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Good for him. And he was a very effective defender when he was healthy. So we, we should probably mention that, but Ted, who you have is your loser of the weekend. The loser is any non-power five football team. You know, we we were discussing on here like, oh, the Big Ten. You know, they they threw this. The, they're not going to play non-conference games out there, and you know they should have talked to people. And you know, the Big Twelve, SEC still want to play, and you know there's some anxiety going on there. But can you imagine if you were a non-power five athletic director and you opened up your Twitter machine on what was that Thursday afternoon, and it's like. Uh, uh oh. <laughs> no, non. Okay, we've already we've already budgeted all of this money that we're going to make for these non-conference games into our athletic. That's how we pay our coaches. That's how we. I mean, I just I can't even imagine what they're going through right now. Okay. Do you think? And and once again, you you hope that everyone works together. Everyone does the right thing. Do you think that maybe some programs would be willing to, I don't know if loan is the right word, but front some of these? Until the spring? If they yeah, until the, the spring, spring or even – because we already saw what happened at Stanford, right, mm -hmm. with the 11 programs just being axed. I mean, what's going to happen to group of five athletic programs if they don't get this money from these non-conference games? I, I – I just wonder, like, can they give it what, – what's the best – in advance? <laughs> I just I – mean, I don't I know. Don't, 
I don't like, and I don't even know what those contracts say, like what guarantees are built in if, if the game is canceled uh, for whatever reason, because we, we've seen it before where games are canceled due to weather and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know if there's, if there's, that's a really good point. Yeah. So it's rare, but you know, you would think that if you've got a million dollar contract, there has to be some type of verbiage in there as if for what happens if the game's not played. So, um, like, I, I don't know, but man, those, those, that's a lot of money. These, that's mm. how these teams fund their, their, their programs. So there's gotta be a lot of anxiety and, you know, that's part of why this is decision was made pretty quickly by the big 10 is, you know, there may be a window to get out of some of these contracts because during the, because they're worried about themselves. Like it, the outlook isn't, doesn't look good for anyone financially, much less, uh, the the non-power five schools, so like no one's going to be too thrilled about forking over, you know, one point five million dollars for a football game whenever they can't even sell tickets to it. So, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for those non-power five schools. Yeah, sure. and and a big part of me also wonders like because they schedule so long out, right? Will some of these power five programs try to take care? of these teams where they've canceled these games, uh, try to fit them in, in the next couple of years, try to make it's it like, up hey, to them, something like that. Sorry. If, if we get back on a normal schedule, you guys can come in and we'll pound you for a spring game, spring football game. Don't hate that. Don't yeah. hate that idea at all. Spring football. blocking dummies for a spring yeah. football game. All right, Ted, my winner of the weekend, Woj. And I know some of you are confused. So let me explain. For those of you that don't know, Woj got an email from a Missouri Senator, Josh Howley. And the email essentially criticizes the list of messages that NBA players could put on the back of their jerseys. Uh, Senator Howley wanted NBA players to be able to criticize China and support cops and the military on their jerseys, which I don't think many players would have problems with, but the players have made it clear that the message they are trying to get across in this bubble is the black lives matter message. Like it's very well established. So knowing that Woj responded to this email with a simple two word response. And that was quote, fuck you. (laughs) Now, Woj has since issued an apology. He has been suspended by ESPN. Supposedly, it's a two-week suspension without pay, and he'll be back for the NBA bubble coverage. But he's a winner for me. It sounds like he may be a loser for some, but he's a winner for me because, Ted, I am not going to lie. When I see Woj... I immediately think that guy is an absolute dweeb. <laughs> That's what it, when I look at him, I'm like, hey, he's got a great job. He does an amazing job. He is unbelievable at his job. But that is one dweeby dude. And the fact that he is out here just firing off FUs to elected officials from his iPhone, nonetheless, that was the best part. It said, sit from my iPhone underneath the <laughs> FU. That was the best part. That 
that made me realize that this man is an absolute savage, Teddy. And even he, he got backed up by LeBron James on Sunday. LeBron even tweeted, hashtag free Woj. There's a couple of things here. Number one, do you think there's some, some built-up frustration for Woj after getting scooped on the whole bubble thing? Um, oh, when Shams was giving us all the details about yeah. everything and Woj was just sitting in silence? Yeah, I, I wonder if there's some built-up frustration from that um, and there was a boiling over point. And there was a built, some built-up frustration from the China situation too because if you go back to Daryl Morey's statement, Woj liked the tweet. Remember the whole Hong Kong thing that led to everyone in the NBA losing a bunch of money and it's going to affect the salary cap next year and we've just – kind of forgotten that because of the whole pandemic thing. Woj was like super popular in China. He had like a show or something that ended up getting like pulled for it. Mm -hmm. So he lost a bunch of money too on this thing by just liking the tweet. So he clearly feels a certain type of way about this situation. Well, and that's, that's what's interesting is that, um, you know, what, what Holly was going for, and the the chord he was wanting to strike was response. I mean, he he took he took the bait. I mean, right? It's like you know the hypocrisy of of all this stuff. Yet whenever one of your own tweets out the the Hong Kong deal, Moray he gets absolutely drugged through the the ringer by the entire league, and Woj jumped on it. <laughs> and he sh- I mean. It had to be one of those things where as soon as you hit send, it's like, no. <laughs> or I, I think it was probably the opposite. He hit send and it was just like, hell yeah. What about that? Yeah. Take that, <laughs> Senator. <laughs> I just thought it was so damn funny, dude. I was like this. I was like, I did not know Woj had that in him. How about that? It, I don't know. It made me really happy for some reason. And I can't, I, the only way said that it could have been better is if he would have tweeted out sources Woj has been suspended for two weeks by ESPN <laughs> like that would that's the only way it could have been better I can confirm that can, Woj- can confirm <laughs> can confirm Adrian Wojnarowski has been suspended for two weeks <laughs> all right my loser of the weekend Ray John Rondo now once again, this is a guy and, and okay, I've heard some people say that the picture is fake. Everything I've seen seems to like the picture that he posted to the hotel room is real. So I'm 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 going like it's real. Like I'm that's why he's going to be my loser of the weekend. He puts a picture of his hotel room at the Grand Destino or whatever it's called there in Orlando. He puts a picture out of his hotel room and it's got a middle finger emoji, and it says Motel 6, hun. And, Ted, it's a pretty nice hotel room. I'm not going to lie. looks like if I walked in there, and I've, I've stayed in some good hotels, you know, played in the National Football League, traveled a bit, stayed in some nice hotels. I saw it, and I was like, eh, it's not that bad. Now, no, not for – I mean, I know if you're staying somewhere for a really long time, you're hoping for something a little bit nicer, but – I mean, that's, that's your standard single king, nicer type of hotel room. And Rajon Rondo's made $100 million, over $100 million playing basketball. 
And he's earned that money. Don't get me wrong. He's earned that money. But does he not realize what's going on in this country right now? That's where you got to go, dude, you know, read the room because there's millions of people in this country that have lost their jobs or they're working paycheck to paycheck. They don't know where or how they're going to be able to put food on their tables this week. And you're out here putting a picture out, basically clowning this pretty decent hotel room. It, the one thing that was obvious is that Rondo has never stayed in Motel 6 ever. Have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I've stayed at a Motel 6 one time. I was driving from Oklahoma to Jacksonville, and I like to, whenever I'm driving a long, long distance like that, I like to leave in the evening and drive through the night where there's no traffic and I can just, you know, I just, I just blow and go. You're a psycho. Well, but that's actually a pretty good idea. I, whenever I, I was, I was going to Jacksonville, maybe I think I actually I was driving to Tampa. Anyways, I'm, I'm like in the panhandle of Florida and I start getting like really tired. So I'm like, I'm going to pull off and just lay down for a couple of hours, close my eyes for a couple of hours, then get up and start driving again. So next exit, there's a motel six whip in there, pay whatever. I don't even know what the rate is. Yeah. Something incredibly cheap. I, I take a couple of things, park my car, take a couple of things into the room, lay down on the bed. I was like, and I'm, I'm just telling you, it was horrible. Okay. It was, it was horrible. I lay down on the bed. I'm exhausted by the way. I've been driving for like 16 hours. I lay down, lay there for like five minutes and was like, nope. I get up, <laughs> grab my stuff, get in the car and start <laughs> driving again. <laughs> I felt like I was like, man, I'm getting, I'm gonna get bed bugs. I'm like nervous that stuff's like nope. crawling on me. It's like the most uncomfortable bed I've ever laid on in my whole entire life. I was like, nah, all right, I'd rather sleep in the car. So I was gonna send out some more sponsorship inquiries this week, you know, because we got a couple sponsorship <laughs> spots left. I'm gonna go ahead and take Motel Six off the list. I'm not your that. Guy. Motel Six. I'm sorry, yep. I'm not your guy. Yep, that's that's going to be a no uh, for hey, the Oklahoma just, breakdown with Iker and Layman. Anything worth paying for, it's a decent hotel room and a decent bed to sleep in, right? Agreed. And good tires and good shoes. Things that connect you <laughs> to the ground is what someone told me once. Hey, never go cheap on your mattress. Never go cheap on your shoes. Never go cheap on your tires. Love Things that connect good. you to the ground. I was like, huh, all right, yeah, sure. All right, Ted, let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. Now, this story, I know a lot of people are worried about high school football, high school athletics in general here in the state of Oklahoma, so wanted to give you guys an update in this version of Keeping It Local. Cameron Jordan from the Oklahoma gave us an update in an article where he talked to some people from the OSSAA and OSSAA executive director, David Jackson said that the plan right now is to play high school football in the state of Oklahoma and to play all fall sports in the coming months. But then there was a, but, and it seems like with everything right now, there is a big, but, but 
moving those activities to the spring remains an option. So right now, the OSSAA is spending a ton of time working on contingency plans. If school districts decide that they can't play or if they stop playing at some point due to the coronavirus. But right now, as things stand, everything is still planned to happen on schedule. So I thought that was very interesting. Now, it, it's, it's optimistic. It, it brought me joy. I was because there's nothing better, nothing better than high school football. And some sports, like I think it's softball, baseball, cross country, maybe even volleyball also, they're starting practice this week. And football scheduled to start practice on August 10th. So, Teddy, this got me a little fired up for these high school kids because I do think that is when athletics is the most fun, the most enjoyable, maybe even the most meaningful. And I just hope these kids get to get to participate. I just I'm hoping for the best. Now, David Jackson, he said all the right things, and it seemed optimistic. Now, to me, maybe it's a little unrealistic, but all we can do right now is hope for the best for high school athletics in the state of Oklahoma, right? Yep, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, football is is really – actually, I think basketball is worse than football, but, you know, um, football happens to be probably the worst sport for the current situation because you're talking about a big number of people – you're talking about close contact for an extended period of time. Uh, and that's every single day. It's not once every couple of days or once a week. It's That's how you have to practice. That's how you have to travel. I mean, so you've got a big group of people that are always, always in each other's space. Like softball, baseball, cross country, that stuff, right? I, I can't find any reason – high school wise why any of those sports should not take place um football okay i get it now the interesting thing to me about moving football to the spring is you got a chance to to really impact a lot of other high school sports whenever you do that you can't really like you can play yeah because of the field yeah i know what you're saying yeah well not only the field but the field, first of all, but also, you know, if, if like 3A down, if football's playing, like there ain't going to be anyone left for basketball and baseball and all these other sports. I mean, yeah, the multi sport athletes. Okay. I, right. Yeah. That's the bigger schools. That's a really good point. You know, there's, there's a lot of more single sport athletes, but the smaller ones, man, just like <laughs> your, your, your basketball team is your, your Dude, skill I, position guys from the football team. I mean, I hadn't even thought of that when it came to the spring. You would you would assume that hopefully they would stagger football and basketball a little bit if it gets pushed to the spring. Because for me, just going back to being a high school athlete, like it crossed. We'd always you know play in the playoffs in football, and we went to the state championship three years in a row, and we'd always miss the first couple basketball games, right? So. Yeah, I hadn't even thought that, like, if you're playing them at the same time, usually some of your really good football players, like, for for instance, me and our quarterback, Ryan Randolph, I mean, Guinness, I mean, we were both starters on the basketball team. 
So, and most I mean, guys what is that guy? The what the, yeah, what do those guys do? I, I mean, it's it's you're either gonna your football like one or the other is really gonna struggle. I'll give you another thing. We didn't talk about this with with um, the college is moving it to the spring, but <laughs> so if you move if you play spring football, then you're gonna start training camp when school starts. So we're or or maybe even before. We're talking about like in in high school, January, uh, like they don't have indoor facilities in high school. Most of them don't. You're talking about like January training camp. Just freezing <laughs> their asses off. The only thing worse than being in the heat all day is being in the freezing cold all day. But That's- give me listen, give me a hundred degrees. Every there time over no 25, doubt. every single no time. That would be horrible. Because, oh. I mean, they're, they, if you're going to spring, spring season, you've got to start training camp right away in January, right? You would assume so. I mean, I don't know. It, it'd but, be interesting if they – now, we're still hoping for the best here for high school football in Oklahoma. If they have to push it to the spring, when does it start? Like, does it, is it starting in February? Is it starting in March? Like, do they start it after spring break? Do they try to play the entire season before spring break? I, I don't know. It's, it's like, I mean, I, I don't know how you would do it. Like, because the bowl season is usually like December. So that's like our fourth month. And it's kind of a, my guess is you wouldn't have that three weeks off like you do in, in the fall season. So you probably get the thing hammered out in three and a half months. So you got to have January for training camp, uh, February, March, April, and then right there towards the end of school. I mean, you're that's you're talking about finals though. Yeah, I don't know. May. I don't know. Not hey, one thing about it, not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. And on that note, episode twenty-four in the books, Ted. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time